Tank, and I'm your host, The Tank. If this is your first time listening, a big welcome. If you're coming back for more, welcome back. This is episode 23 of The Truth Tank, and we're going to take a break from the epic saga of King Herod. We're going to have a look at the year 2021 so far and Super Bowl 55. It's more or less going to be my recap on Super Bowl 55. There's nothing historical, no conspiracies, no mysteries, or any weird shit for that matter. I'm playing around with this kind of format. I'm going to try to get some more episodes out this year. Maybe some fortnightly, hopefully weekly shows. At the moment, I get very buried in the research. It takes weeks, if not months, to research some of these topics. I am obsessed with the details, and I do tend to go overboard with them sometimes. With that being said, King Herod has turned into more than two shows. It's going to be probably three or four parts at this stage. I'm working on the third part of it as we speak. Part three of King Herod, we're going to be looking at his building, his legacy. So without further ado, let's get into tonight's show. This is episode 23. 2021 so far, the attack on the Capitol building and Super Bowl 55. So first up, 2021 so far. It's been a uh, pretty weird year so far and we're only into the second month. If you said to someone at the beginning of the year that the Capitol building was going to be taken over by a bunch of halfwits, no one would believe you. If you went one step further and told them that there would be a guy dressed as a bison, covered in face paint and Nordic tattoos sitting in the speaker's chair, people would have called you batshit fucking crazy. But lo and behold, this is what happened. A bunch of ill-informed halfwits stormed the Capitol building to voice their opinions and protest the upcoming Biden administration. Yeah, fair enough, maybe there was a, a few legitimate points muddled up in there somewhere. I mean, I think you have to be skeptical of any politician, any prime minister, any president, any world leader. Because those who rule usually have ulterior motives and they, generally speaking, most people in power want power for their own arrogant means. They're usually not in it for the benefit of the people. When these quote-unquote protesters stormed the Capitol building, chaos followed. And it's not too hard to work out. I mean, things have probably got out of hand, but these are a bunch of... Fucking cowboys, people dressed in bulletproof vests, helmets, all this combat gear. If you want to dress like you're in the army, go join it. You get all the shit for free, you get the boots for free, the pants, the bulletproof vest and the helmet for free. I really don't know what the end game was here. I don't know what they were thinking. Did they really think that this was going to work? I mean, I'm I'm honestly surprised that they weren't just shot to pieces. Given last year's heavy-handedness with the Black Lives Matter protests... And given the lack of aggressiveness by security forces to the protesters, it seems likely that that would probably be the outcome. Now, fair enough, they stormed the Capitol building, people were caught off guard, there wasn't enough police or security forces in the building to cope with that amount of people. Having said that, when you have a crowd that large that's approaching the building, they stand out. You could have seen that group of people coming from miles away, or you would be able to see large groups of people all converging onto a single space. I don't think it's that hard to assume that most of those people didn't walk there. A lot of these people came from all over the country, so that means they would have had to fly in, get buses, get trains, taxis, Ubers, carpooled it, or they drove them, or they drove themselves hundreds of miles to be at the capital. It's obviously a premeditated event. It wasn't just a random occurrence. It wasn't organically evolving. It, it wasn't just a couple of people protesting 
injustice, then a couple more people joined, and all of a sudden you have a nationwide movement. This is more premeditated. And whether you like Trump or not, he is directly responsible for it. He spurred these people on. He didn't so much as tell them to do it, but he pushed them in the right direction. He showed them the door, and he told them how to open it. Rule one when it comes to leadership is you have to take responsibility for everybody's actions, not just your own. A good leader is responsible for every man, woman, and child under their leadership. And there isn't, has been no responsibility taken by Trump. And with all the impeachment that's going on now, some people say, oh, you can't impeach him because he's not a president. He still needs to be held accountable for the outcome of the capital siege. If he was in the military or the police force, he would have been court-martialed or brought to a review board, and his actions would have been scrutinized. The other weird thing was that bizarre comment he made out afterwards, we need to stop protesting and, and we all, we love you, we all think you're very special. Like, this is, who the fuck's he talking to? Oh yeah, you're very special, daddy loves you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What you did was right. Keep it up. Thankfully nothing happened, but the damage was done. The capital was attacked and five people were killed. Well, I think one police officer was killed in the line of duty and I think the rest were protesters. That's not to mention the countless others who were injured some of them were probably injured over the, because of their own stupidity but it was a pretty bad thing to happen the capitol building is supposed to be the symbol and beacon for truth and justice but it was attacked by a bunch of halfwits based on lies and one person's uneducated opinion if an event like that can happen so easily it makes you wonder what else can happen through misinformation quote-unquote fake news lies and several people's opinions but a lot of his supporters stayed loyal and were probably even more enraged by what they saw as unfair treatment to their leader. Also, a lot of those morons that took pictures and selfies of themselves in people's offices with their feet up on the desks and behind the speaker's chair, a lot of them probably didn't realise they were breaking a hell of a lot of law. Well, they probably did realise they were breaking laws, obviously, but they probably don't realise the ramifications of the actions. Because... A lot of them will probably get charged with domestic terrorism laws, which is probably not a list you want to find yourself on. Alright, so moving along from the capital attack. The once poor and downtrodden are starting to rise. It definitely seems like the tides are turning around the world. So could we be on the edge of a bright new green future? Maybe. One would hope so. We'd hope that as a species we'd probably learn... And maybe we would have woken up to ourselves and we can't keep doing things the way we have been because it's not good for anyone. We've got one planet to live on. If we don't look after it, we're kind of fucked. And I don't think all of us can afford a flight to Mars. I'm sure most of you have probably seen those really annoying mining ads on TV, the BHP copper ads. Oh, they fucking irritate me. If you're listening overseas, you probably have an equivalent to these fucking mining resource companies trying to push this oh we're all for a clean green future i used to have a, a guy that did the ad he had a really deep really annoying voice he, he would always they would always prattle on that oh we you know the future runs on copper you can't do this without copper and here at bhp we're providing the world's copper and this and that so they got a new new ad voiced by a woman it's less intimidating that makes it sound more friendly Basically, they're trying to say that the energy sector is going green and that in the future, there's going to be more solar panels, more wind turbines and such. 
and that the renewable energy industry is going to use a lot of copper. In particular, the wind turbines apparently have five to six tons of copper in them. What really shits me about these companies is they make it sound like they're a fucking charity. They make it sound like they're not in it for money and for profit and for the shareholders. I don't think they're fooling anyone with that one. It's always been done for profit. You're not going to be giving the renewable energy sector free copper. You're going to be giving it to them at a price. The same way they do with everything. Let's not kid ourselves, BHP and mining companies. You're in it for yourself, just like every other corporation. This fact isn't helped when you have a bunch of fucking morons in politics who are doing everything in their power to bring about a an apocalyptic future. They really don't seem to give two fucks about the planet or even their own children or grandchildren's children. All they seem to care about is how much money they can get. It's a sad fact, but they really don't care. It's sad on one hand, but on the other hand, the world's changing. The younger generation are going to renewable energies, even if it costs more, which I think in the in the long run it won't. They don't want to be dictated to by a bunch of old white men in suits who are hooked up to the corporate teat. They're getting their pocketbooks filled, they're getting their bank accounts topped up on a monthly basis to push the mining and energy company's agenda. And in this country, that the mining companies pretty much own a government. They have a lot of power, they have a lot of influence, and they seem to own every single politician in the country. There isn't a politician that will ever say a bad word about a mining company. It's just, shut up, read your script, here's your money, thanks for doing business. It is really annoying and it's also really sad because it shows you how deep the corruption goes. You have presidents, prime ministers and world leaders all around the world preaching and reciting the same script. They keep saying that it's going to cost jobs and growth, it's going to be too expensive to change, but what's the alternative? Global extinction? Unless we find another planet to live on, we don't have another option. And even that's irresponsible. We've been given a beautiful fucking planet, we should be looking after it. And all modern society really seems to care about is money, fame, and what can I get out of it? Not everyone's like that, of course. This is, I'm speaking in generalities. The Prime Minister of Australia once said that one of the Tesla batteries wouldn't last a TV program, which is complete bullshit because they last for a long time. The science is there. Electric cars work. Solar power works. Wind works. And these really pathetic excuses that the powers that be like to brainwash the public with. They they think everyone's a complete fucking moron. And that the average person can't see through the lies and bullshit. Renewable energy works. It's here to stay. And it's the way forward. It's the future. But you still have these old leaders who have this backwards way of thinking. I mean, it doesn't help when you've got Trump saying we're going to get clean coal. There's no such thing as fucking clean coal. If you burn something and it produces emissions, it's not clean. And realistically, who the fuck wants to work in a coal mine anyway? The other less reported fact about renewable energy is that it's going to create three times the amount of jobs than standard energy production. If you think of it this way, how many people does it take to mine coal out of the ground? How many people does it take to refine said coal, transport it, distribute it, then burn it for fuel? Compare that with solar panels. You need someone to make the mine the raw ingredients to make the solar panels, someone to transport it, someone to make the actual solar panel, someone has to design the solar panel, someone has to make it. That needs to be shipped, it needs to be installed, it needs to be hooked up to a grid. There needs to be someone behind that computer monitoring the energy coming out of it, distributing the energy. 
There needs to be a supervisor. There needs to be constant cleaning and maintenance done on a solar panel. So that is literally a renewable job. You, the panels need to be cleaned every week. How does the renewable sector not make more jobs in the archaic fossil fuel industry? I think I've harped on about that enough. COVID contradictions. Yeah. See, the Australian Open is on at the moment. Lots of tennis players from all around the world coming to play tennis, obviously. But my God, what a whingy bunch of fucking crybabies they are. You've had some of the top players in the world who have all, not all of them, uh, Novak Djokovic in particular, cried and whined like a baby because he couldn't get his own way. He didn't want to be in lockdown. No one does, but this is how you have to, this is the game you have to play to keep things safe. It's the game you have to play so you can play the game that pays you. His list of demands, this is coming from a guy that is an anti-vaxxer and didn't believe in a virus to begin with. And he's making demands that he wants to go to private people's houses who have tennis courts so he can practice. Everyone else is make, making do in, uh, in their rooms. Why can't you? And a whole bunch of them pull out with quote-unquote injuries. Realistically, they don't want to get beaten by someone half their age. Right, so that brings us to the main event, Super Bowl 55. I was pretty excited for Super Bowl 55. It's one of the few global events I actually get excited about. It was made even more exciting by Tom Brady playing in his 10th Super Bowl. I mean, he is an absolute machine. His discipline, his drive just to be the best at that position, and he doesn't let age stand in his way. I think it's a good example for everybody. Yet people hate the guy for whatever reason. I mean, what are they going to say about him now? He's got number seven, so... Did the Patriots still cheat? I don't think so. I think it just proves that he is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. I am a Patriots fan. I've followed the Patriots since 2007, since I started really getting into the NFL. I remember when I was working fuck, at McDonald's 2007, I was a manager, and I'd keep the Super Bowls on TV. It was, all, it was obviously before digital TV. The particular channel it was on didn't have a very clear broadcast picture, so it was a lot of very snowy. I had it on the TV out in the, in the break room, and I'd come out there every couple of minutes and check the score. The Patriots were playing the Giants. It's the year the Patriots lost, and I've been following them ever since. Especially someone like Tom Brady, to have a player who has been pretty much in the same club for 20 years is very rare these days. I mean, most players will are lucky to get 10 years, depending on their position. Some three, some four. Others 15 and longer, but 20 years is a fair effort, especially for a quarterback. So you could follow a guy right through his career. Then when he moved to Tampa, I followed him to Tampa. I still like the Patriots. I'm not one of those. I'm not a bandwagon guy, but there was something special about Brady, and I, I, well, I was very interested to see what he would do at the Buccaneers. So I also might have found a new favorite team in the Buccaneers, so hopefully he plays there for a couple of years. There's also a reunion with him and Gronk. So the Buccaneers felt very much like a Patriots Super Bowl team. You had Brady Gronk, Antonio Brown, who only played one game, but he was still a Patriot. Mike Evans was very much like Julian Edelman, only taller. So yeah, to see the Super Bowl go ahead, given the COVID restrictions and what had happened this year was, was in itself an effort. It wouldn't have been an easy thing to do. And I actually did like the stripped-back version of the Super Bowl. The problem with the Super Bowl is 
it's just so overblown. It's such a over-the-top event. I hate the halftime show. I really don't like the stupid stage they put up or the renter crowd and all the everyone goes so nuts for it and it's 15 minutes it's not really that great it's just a mashup of people's songs you don't need the 40 costume changes in five minutes so a stripped back version of the Super Bowl was really cool Chiefs are a great team but they weren't unbeatable they're not as good as a lot of people have made them out to be there's a lot of flaws especially in their defense there's uh, Patrick Mahomes is is great. Travis Kelsey is good. I'm not a huge fan of Kelsey, but Tyreek Hill, guy's an absolute freak. But outside of a couple of core players, there isn't a hell of a lot of other people that make a huge impact on the Chiefs. So in the first half, there was a an abundance of penalties and umpire interference. It would have been nice if the umpires could have just backed off a bit and just let the game be played, let it flow. It seemed like every second play, there was a flag being thrown for something. A lot of it was pretty trivial. Some of it was warranted. The unsportsmanlike conduct calls were, uh, I don't know, some of them were good, others were a bit dodgy. That player who got sucked into the Tampa Bay center, a little trap, he uh, was it? Uh, he pushed him and he got caught pushing him and he got, he got called out. That was just bad luck. Keep poking him for a reaction and get him to do it in front of the umpire trick and he fell for it. A couple of penalties, especially from the Chiefs. I think most of the penalties were, well, most of the penalties were against the Chiefs. I think there was what, what around the 15 mark by the end of the game. That guy, uh, I can't remember his name. It was something, Matthew or Math Mathau or someone like that. There was a massive lack of discipline in the first half. Chiefs cleaned themselves up a bit in the second. There's still a lot of flags that were thrown. There was a lot against the Buccaneers as well, but just that first half, it seemed like they were getting penalised just for really st- just stupid shit that they should know. Once again, it all comes back to lack of, lack of discipline. But really, I thought the coaches should have gotten on top of that way before it before it got out of hand. A lot of... First time it happened, okay. Second time, it's like you're in the Super Bowl, you're disadvantaging your own team and your chances of winning by giving into the personal shit. And unfortunately, they fell for it. They got sucked in, they got angry, and they discipline went out the window. Having said that, I feel like a lot of the times the umpires just were a bit over the top with some of the decision-making and some of the calls. They should have just, I don't know, let a, let a couple of things go, let the game be played. The Bucks' defense is fucking tight. That's the best I've seen them play all year. They just dismantled the Chiefs' offense. They made them look amateurish. I mean, they held they held the Chiefs offense to nine points and no touchdowns. It's, it's always funny when you see just how precise defenses and offenses can be in the Super Bowl. It's not so much during the regular season. It's a bit up and down, you're dealing with injuries and stuff. But it makes you wonder, why don't they play like that more? If you played like that all the time, you know, maybe you'd burn out, maybe get more injuries. But you'd be a very effective unit, and you'd probably be feared because that's the whole mythology behind the Chiefs offenses what they were just this invincible offense that no one had ever seen before which it seems like every couple of years there's an offense that is unbeatable or hasn't been seen before that always ends up getting their ass kicked in the playoffs of the Super Bowl so the Bucks defense just took apart 
the Chiefs' offense. They just seemed to cover every gap. They double-teamed. They double-covered Tyreek Hill. Pretty much any time he got anywhere near the ball, there was always that one or two defenders back. No one seems to have picked this up during the regular season. Kelsey was the only option Mahomes could really go to, and he, he got some decent yards throughout the game, but he wasn't that effective. He They gave him that you know, 10, 15 yard run, but then he gets shut down. They'd move up, they'd shut him down again. But I think the um, biggest victim of the defense was Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he got his fucking ass kicked. He got, he was a punching bag in the second half. I mean, the amount of hits that guy took and his offensive line just seemingly just did nothing. They just forgot how to block. It was horrifying to watch some of those tackles when he got sandwiched by those three guys kind of felt sorry for him because he is a fucking fantastic player. He, he's the future of the NFL. He's a future Hall of Famer. He has a, a lot of skill. He's ridiculously talented. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback that gets a ball, does a you know 180 spin, a fucking 360 back spin, runs this way, does another spin, change direction, change direction again, and just throw it like he does. He's He did about 80% of the work. He drove the team closer to the line than pretty much anyone else it's amazing he wasn't hurt more than he was and I, I know he had a an injured toe which so it cut down how effective he could run he wasn't as fast as he usually was and you could see him limping after a while so hats off I mean he carried his team he got his ass kicked he was injured but yeah he kept on fighting he kept on trying to win and trying to score in hindsight, it's probably a good thing for his career because he's going to be around for a long time, you know, bar some you know, career-ending injury. He's got a 10-year contract. He's young. He's fit. He's got a lot to learn, but he will be great. He, um, Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a lot more Super Bowls to come back to. And the fact that he got beaten will only make him hungry. It'll only make him examine those flaws and those faults with a fine-tooth comb. Eliminate them and come back stronger. All the greats have been beaten. No one wins all the time. And Mahomes is no exception. He's a great player. He'll be back. So the Bucks' offense, I mean, what can you say? What I've noticed about Tom Brady is he always goes three and out in the first drive. He Very rarely does he ever make much headway down the field. He always goes three and out for the first drive. Whether this is strategic, does he? is he just testing the waters? Is he probing the defense? Is he just finding his groove and getting comfortable? Is it nerves? You see that steely-eyed look and determination in his eyes. You know he's you know he's never going to give up and he's going to do everything he can to win. Beware the Brady eyes. It's been a lot of fun watching Brady and Gronk play another season together. That was a hell of a lot of fun seeing those two in the Super Bowl again. And combine that with some of the talent that the Buccaneers have and Antonio Brown. It was like a re- Patriots reunion. Kind of makes you wonder, should the Patriots have kept Brady on for another year? On the, Having said that, sometimes the best thing for a player, especially an older player, is to go to another club like Peyton Manning and some of the other, other greats. Sometimes you get a new lease of life by going to a new club, having a fresh start, working with new players, new coaches. Sometimes it can shake you out of the apathy and you get a new love for for the game and you can kind of revive their career a bit. So hopefully Brady sticks around and plays with the Buccaneers until he's 50 or 60, whenever he's going to retire. 
Brady definitely defies the naysayers and a lot of the football logic or what is perceived to be the normal trajectory of an NFL player. He'll be going into his, what, 22nd season next year. He's 43. He's won seven Super Bowls. Been in 10 of them. He's won over half of the Super Bowls he's been in. He's definitely an anomaly. He's a freak of nature in in the sporting world. And yet people don't like him. They they say, oh, well, he, he walked into the stadium without a mask on. He doesn't doesn't care about this. Brady only cares about winning the Super Bowl. He's a athlete. He doesn't get involved in politics. He's had accusations of his, oh, he supports Trump. Yeah, he might be friends with Trump. He's probably met him. Lots of people have. Brady leaves politics and social issues out of sport. Sport is sport. He focuses 100% on the game. He seems like he only cares about being the best he can. He's definitely an old-school sporting hero. He's not one of these you know, flashy new guys that all only care about money and cars and clothes. He's definitely made from a older mold than a lot of people his own age and younger. He also shows his class when he silences the naysayers. He doesn't get sucked into the political games that a lot of celebrities do. You know, if you're in the limelight or you have a Twitter account or people know who you are, you have to voice your opinion about some type of social issue or domestic issue, national issue, whatever it is. Brady doesn't care about that stuff. He just focuses purely on being the best quarterback he can be. He's focused on becoming the best player of all time, which I think he's rightfully earned. The Bucks offense wasn't perfect. There was a lot of it wasn't as tight as the defense. They did make a lot of mistakes. There's a couple of times where they you know they were so close to the end zone, they were you know only a yard or two away, and they fucked it up. They didn't go for it, which you know you, you can't really blame them. You want to play it safe in the Super Bowl. But when it got to halftime, you could kind of see how the rest of this game was probably going to go. When the Chiefs didn't score before halftime, there's a couple of red flags being raised. Going into the third quarter, the Chiefs really needed to score pretty early just to try and come back into the game and try to get some of the momentum back. So that brings us down to the halftime show. The weekend was very good. I don't mind the weekend. I love the choreography and the stripped-back style of the halftime show. It was cool having it start up on the in front of the big screen near the, near the pirate ship. That was really cool. It was very different rather than that, like I said before, that fucking stupid stage with the renter crowd really annoys me with all those idiots running out there waving shit around and and acting like they're not paid to be there. So it's just cool seeing a more stripped back version of it. You don't have to spend you don't have to spend millions and millions of dollars to try and outdo last year's 15 minute halftime show. I thought the weekend pulled it off. He was he was great. The mashups do get a little annoying, but Obviously, there's time restraints. When they came down to the field and all those dancers came out with the lights on their hands, the red sequence jackets, that was something that hadn't been seen before because, like I said, there's usually a dumb stage in the middle. So seeing, the, seeing them run around and actually utilizing the space on the field, it, it fit the theme of this year's Super Bowl. Obviously, social distancing and COVID and all that crap. So it was it was very cool to see. It was very clever that they used space as the defining feature of the choreography. They didn't need to all be jammed up on a stage. There was no costume changes, which was also another good thing. Didn't have to waste time changing into some other like outlandish fucking costume that was only going to get taken off 
two minutes later. So going into the third quarter, I've got a theory about third quarters, mainly in the NFL and AFL. This can also apply to to hockey and uh, rugby. When you get to that third quarter stage, even if the game doesn't have three quarters, so my theory is that whoever wins the third quarter usually wins the game. Whoever dominates that third quarter usually ends up winning. For some reason, it just seems to be the crucial quarter or the half, whatever sport you're playing. First quarter doesn't matter so much. Second quarter, you want to be leading, but it's not as important as coming back or dominating the third. The fourth quarter is where you can break the momentum of a team. And even if you're down, you can always come back and win. So the third quarter, the Bucks dominated. I thought the Chiefs were completely out of it by then. Look intimidate. They looked intimidated by the Bucks defense. And whenever Brady had and the offense had the ball, they just seemed to dominate. They, I, I can't remember how many times they scored, but I think that's when Gronk got his second touchdown and, uh, and Antonio Brown also got his touchdown. And by that time, it was you know twenty something seven or twenty something nine. But even the Super Bowls where the Patriots were down. They still won the third quarter. It's not so they don't have to score as much. They just have to outplay the opposition. I thought the Bucks definitely outplayed the Chiefs in the third quarter. So going into the fourth quarter, that was pretty much a dud. The Buccaneers made a hell of a lot of mistakes. And this is that crucial time where if the Chiefs had scored a few more times in the third, they probably could have come back and evened it up or come very close. But they didn't. The Chiefs played really hard. Mahomes just fucking played his heart out to try and come back. But it was to no avail. They obviously, they obviously didn't score. Uh, they didn't. They didn't come back. But the Chiefs played a hell of a lot better than the Buccaneers did in the in the fourth quarter. But the damage was done because the Buccaneers were so dominant throughout the rest of the game, and especially that third quarter, they um, just didn't have the time to make up. Because I thought. Brady fucked up a few times. It looked like the offense was getting tired by then. They made a lot of stupid mistakes. There was a lot of penalty. There was a couple of penalties given away to the Buccaneers for taunting and unsportsmanlike like conduct. It very much felt like the football gods were against the Chiefs that night. The umpires just seemed to call every penalty against the Chiefs. So by the fourth quarter, the damage was done. I mean, Mahomes took an absolute battering. He was by far the star of the fourth quarter. He just the way he played, his determination. He just he was not going to give up, even if they were down by you know sixteen points. He was not until that final siren went. He was not giving up. So the Chiefs outplayed the the Bucks in the fourth quarter, but ultimately the damage was done. Buccaneers win. Brady gets his seventh ring. Gronk and Brady win another Super Bowl together, and Brady got the MVP. Even though it was a very one-sided game, it was 31-9. I don't think they scored after the third quarter, but either way, it was a very good game. It was a very entertaining game. There was a lot of energy, especially the first two quarters. It was anyone's game. You didn't really know who was who was going to win. Chiefs played well. They did make a lot of mistakes. I think what ultimately had the biggest factor was just the amount of penalties they got. They gave up stupid penalties in some very crucial times and they gave up a lot of they gave up a lot of yards in doing so. Yeah, some of them were warranted, others probably could have let go. They weren't huge deals, but a lot of the offside calls were, you know, that was just basic fundamentals of football. 
it's very easy to get caught offside in sports. It's just one of those things that kind of slips through the cracks. You know, you're aware of it, but you're not really aware of it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, yeah, fair enough. You know, you can't do this stuff in the NFL like you could, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. You can't get in people's faces. The NFL have cracked down on it, especially a game like the Super Bowl. It's not really the time you want to be testing the umpire's patience. Other than that, it was a good game. I like a little hug between Brady and Mahomes in there. You know, you'll get there next time. Keep in contact. You know, Brady shows his respect for the future of the game. He also he also um, proved once again he's a great leader. The whole metaphor of that game was the past versus the present, the future versus the past. Brady's the old veteran who's been there before, and I think that ultimately paid off. He wasn't as nervous. He'd been there. Well, he's been to 10 Super Bowls, so he's, he's done it before. It seems to happen every other year. He was cooler, he was calmer, he was better under, under pressure. I think that was probably one of the biggest defining factors was that experience won out in the end. But it was also really, it was really cool to see the whole metaphor and duality of that game was the past versus the present, the future versus the past. The old veteran versus the young, talented kid it was a great game. Brady has proved once again that he is the GOAT. I think it's undeniable. All those haters, all those people that claim that you know the Patriots cheated. What can you say now? He's not he's not a Patriot. Did he still cheat or is it just his undeniable skill and his talent? It also kind of shows you where a lot of the talent was with New England, uh, with the Brady-Belichick relationship. I mean, obviously Belichick had a, a very trying year this, this year, but it, it kind of shows you that it might have been more Brady than Belichick. However, Belichick had to do the best with what he had available to him, which wasn't a lot. No disrespect to anyone on the team. They had a lot of injuries. Cam Newton just really couldn't find his feet this season, which wasn't great to see because I wanted to see Cam Newton do well. I haven't. I wasn't really a fan of Cam Newton when he played for the Panthers. I was hoping a quarterback of his caliber was going to come in and do great things for the Patriots, but... That's not how the season has turned out. He obviously had giant shoes to fill. I didn't really think the Patriots were going to make it to the playoffs this year. I think that was going to be a stretch because it's a you know a rebuild year. They've had a pretty good run. But Cam Newton just didn't really seem to fit the playing style of, of Belichick. And, and you know, maybe there's probably more factors there than just that. Belichick had a quarterback that could actually run and could move around a lot more than Brady could. Brady obviously relies on his throwing ability more than his running game, but for whatever reason, Cam Newton just didn't really f- seem to click. I hope they keep him around for next year, even if it's a, a backup quarterback or they use a, a dual quarterback format. So they have a guy come in and throw, and he does the run and stuff. Because he's, he's an athletic guy. I mean, he's a, he's big, he's, he's strong, he's fast. He is coming up in age for a quarterback, but yeah, Brady's going to be 44 next year, so... Cam Newton's only 33, so he's still got a couple of years left. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening, even if it was just me rambling about the Super Bowl for 20 minutes and what's happened so far. just want to try something different, try a new format to the podcast. So I might do these type of episodes every couple of weeks to fill in the gaps with the research-heavy episodes I usually do. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the Truth Tank, hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player 
or wherever you get your podcasts from. Join the Facebook page. I want to try and grow this podcast this year and into the future. So if you know someone who might like the Truth Tank, share it around with them, share the episodes, tell your friends, tell your family, tell strangers on the street, get the word out there. Thank you to everyone who took the time to download and listen to this episode and all the previous episodes. It means a lot. Thank you very much for listening. Part 3 of King Herod will be available soon and there will probably be a part 4 of King Herod in the future. I'm working very hard to try and get them released closer together. Make sure you come back for part 3 of King Herod. I'm the Tank. This is the truth. May the truth be with you.